What does it take to build a training business so high in demand that you're turning away A-list celebrities who want to work with you? What's up, Active Lifers? I'm Dr. Sean Pastuch, the host of the Active Life Podcast, and today I'm joined by Don Saladino in studio. Don Saladino is a trainer who has worked with the top of the top of the top of Hollywood. And today he comes in to break down how he went from being a trainer who almost lost everything in his life, having to work 15 to 17 hour days, something you may have heard me talk about, to get it all back, and how he went from being that person to the person who he is today, one of the most sought after trainers in the world. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Don Saladino, welcome to the Actify Podcast. It's like to be here, man. Thank you. My pleasure. You, you, you don't know this, but you were the first person to grace this studio. That is special, and it looks very, it looks shiny and new in here. It's very professional. I appreciate it. Um, I'm loving everything about it. The goal is to keep it shiny and new for a long time. <clears throat> That's kind of always the goal, <laughs> and it always fades a little. I remember owning a club, owning some clubs in the city. When you when you build it, you always see that little speck or that little mm-hmm. mark that the handyman or the contractor kind of messed up on, mm-hmm. and you're always sitting there looking at it. I remember looking at certain things, certain dents in there for 15 years, things I just couldn't fix. Oh, I can walk. I can walk you down the block after this interview. <laughs> we have a space that we we just built out. Uh, you know, basically just drop my life savings into this yeah, space. Yeah. Sounds and right. I'm like, it is 99.999% perfect. Yeah. yeah. And, and all I think about is that 0.001%. I'm, 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 I'm with you on it. I'm yeah. with you on it. But to, to me, this room right now is kind of like a notebook on the first day of school. I know it's, it's, it's awesome. It's perfect. It's the, a perfect podcast studio. I appreciate that. Yeah, the hope, the hope is that the handwriting stays nice. Right? <laughs> you guys will do a good job. I, you guys have the elements, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I've done my research and I speaking to Dr. Gabrielle line and you know, people doing it right in the industry and you guys know your audience, you guys know what you're doing. Definitely. And it's nice to see people out there leading by example well, and doing I, it the right way. So I appreciate that. I'm honored to be here. Thanks. The, the reason I wanted to bring you on today is because <clears throat> I have so much respect for the integrity with which you have built your career. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, you have a lot of sizzle and you have more steak. Thank you. you. You're welcome. That's actually a big compliment. Mark Fisher. I don't know if you know Mark Fisher. Mark Fisher. Um, we could, we could talk about him. He was a guy that took, a little bit of that sizzle also and made it into a very successful business. And he gave me a compliment years ago. He's like, man, Don's the one who's going to legitimize celebrity trainers. Cause mm-hmm. I always hated being called that mm-hmm. because I always thought it devalued what I built over the last 25 years. Or I thought it devalued my education or I thought it devalued the fact that I'm, I'm really a coach. Like, why, why did you think that? Because I, you know, celebrity, you know, it's, it's, it's fluffy. You have to think about that. And you got to admit it. It is fluffy. Oh, it sounds fluffy. It sounds fluffy. It's like, uh, all right, Don's a celebrity coach. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll I'll echo what you're describing as as, as an adjective, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, I picture somebody putting a person who needs to lose 20 pounds for a photo shoot or whatever on a BOSU ball on their knees with a kettlebell upside down, pressing it up and down. And that's tough. <laughs> but you, you, you know what I mean? Like you just made me sick. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but when, when I hear, when I hear, when I hear the stigma that you're describing around celebrity trainer, that's what I picture as a thing you're trying to avoid. Is that, yeah, I, I was trying to avoid it for a while. And I think early on in my career, I mean, 25 years I've been doing this now. My first celebrity was probably 16 years ago. So 16 years ago, it wasn't celebrity, you know, people are calling so I'm a fitness professional. Now I'm like, call me what you, what you want. I think right. I'm comfortable enough in my career and what I've, what I've done that, um, I know people know me and they're not gonna, you know, I think the other day someone thought I was Dr. Saladino. They're oh, like, sure. They're like, Oh, you're that like carnivore guy. Like, 
Like that's like someone said to Gabriel, like that's ridiculous. I'm like, no, they're talking about doc- that other doctor. Uh, I'm not a doctor. Doctor Saladino. I don't. I'm not on the carnivore <laughs> diet. Only crazy. Not, not your brother. No, no, my brother's not a doctor. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, it's been it, it's been a long run for me, and there's been a lot of highs and lows in my career, but. The highs definitely outweigh it. I, I could not be any more blessed to be in the position that I'm in. And um, yeah, if you want to call me celebrity trainer, feel free. Well, what you're describing right now <clears throat> to me is is a sign of confidence. Yeah, it's a sign of knowing exactly who you knowing are. who you are. Yeah. So <clears throat> I talk. I have a four year old daughter, a soon to be six, Amazing. and a soon to be eight. Perfect. Right. Great ages. So, they are great ages. My daughter just went on her first date the other night. Oh man, she's fifteen. It was it was very emotional for, for me. I believe it. Yeah. Sorry, not to throw it in. No, there, no, 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 it, no. It goes fast, is what I mean. So. Oh, I, I listened to. I saw an Instagram reel the other day that was like it was an older gentleman talking about the stuff that you're annoyed by today, the toys on the ground, the loud noises that don't go away, the kids who won't go to bed. He's like, one day you're. I'll take it. <laughs> Right? Give those back right. to me. I'll take it. It's like you're gonna miss it. And I was like, oh shit. We were we spent Valentine's Day, my wife and I. Everyone's like, what you guys do? I'm like, we basically stared at Life 360 as she went on her first date, and we were just literally like, okay, she's still at the restaurant. <laughs> Hour later, she's still at the restaurant. Oh, she's going to Broadway Mall now, and we were that was our night. Life so. 360 is like a tracking device for yeah. your kid. Yeah. Oh, you'll get very familiar with I'm that. Sure. Don't worry. Don't worry. Give me a couple <laughs> sure. years, you'll be calling me up saying this is the greatest thing ever. You can literally see them moving. You can see what restaurant they're at. It's phenomenal. I like that. Yep. I'm gonna have to that that. Unless they evolve to like a chip I can just install in my kid. Oh, it's that, funny. Ryan Reynolds told me that yesterday, the actor, not to name yeah. drop, but he, I, I told him about that. And he goes, oh my God, I'm going to have tracking devices on my kid. He was obviously joking, but we were all laughing about that. that that's an interesting thing that you bring up there, that not to name drop, right? Mm-hmm. These are your friends. Yeah. These are the people who count on you to be the professional who is guiding their, yeah. their this element of their life. Do you find that people think of you? Let me Let me back up. You just did something that I've struggled with for a really long time. What's and that? I'm curious about your thoughts on this. Yeah. From about 2014 through 2017, I was working with some of the most preeminent athletes in the world. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew about it. I wasn't telling people about it because I thought if these people are coming to me, they're coming to me in part because of my discretion. Mm -hmm. I thought they didn't tell me that they never did. Mm -hmm. Um, And I never asked for media with them. I never asked for them to name me. I never wanted to talk about them in anything. And in hindsight, I think I was too protective of the reality that we were doing it Mm -hmm. for my own good. And even potentially for theirs. You, I've seen do it all the time in a way that I think is very um, charismatic, respectful, and not boastful. It's not like, hey, look at Ryan Reynolds. It is what it is. It's it's what I, it's what I do in the sense of it's who I work with, right? Like when I started with Hugh Jackman, another name drop there, sixteen years ago, I would not. He he would. You want to take a picture? No. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, <clears throat> do you want to do some press? No. Like I was, I was stupid. I should have just said yes. Like it's, it's, I think there's, I think there's this line between overstepping that boundary and welcoming a moment and capitalizing on it. And like, I don't, I never, ever, ever ask my clients for pictures Mm -hmm. ever. I believe it. And right now I I literally, I I probably work with two people. That's Mm it. Um, Ryan and his wife and their, their family. And they're probably two of the most important non- blood related people in my life. I mean, they've done more for me in my career than I can ever explain. Um, but they're family and I love them and I will work with them as long as I'm alive or as long as they'll have me to work with, mm-hmm. with them. And, um, uh, otherwise my life is about my, my businesses and, and building and making sure that compounds and developing it just like he wants to do. And just like she wants to do, like we, we all have that entrepreneurial 
you know, spark in us. And, and that's, what's fun about it. But, you know, talking about it and when we're in conversation, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think when it's, when it's your only conversation, I think that's a little much, right? So I think, you know, if you're in that situation, ride the wave if they're offering it, but I I respect what you did. It's what I did, but now you realize, Hey, you know, it's not not the biggest mm -hmm. deal. What what, what I learned through it was, I don't know if you know what Rich Froning is. Oh yeah, so Rich CrossFit, Froning, uh, CrossFit champion, yeah. one of the one of the greats. Yeah. So Rich was a client of mine for about a year and a half, trying to work through some knee and back stuff, and he invited me out to his house. Flew out to his house. We worked out for ever, right? Way way more than I was appropriately fit to work out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Hey, you want to come inside and do a podcast?" And I was like, "Um, yeah, okay." Like. I, it was awkward. It was awkward for you, but but only because I'm like I don't want I don't want him to think I came out to his house for the, and there was too much projection. I was projecting too much, at least in my own mind. Now looking back, these people don't really want to do this. They're doing it as a favor to me because I do this for them. But the reality is, let people do that when they want to. Sometimes they want you to do it. Like I'll, I'll right. I think sometimes it's um it's a way of you know, softening the, I've, I've had some people in the past, not to mention names that would want specific content out there, but wouldn't be want to be the one to put it out there. Like mm-hmm. celebs I worked with years ago and great, no problem. Um, that's, that's fine. And I'm happy to ride that wave. So I, I think it's, I think it's mutual mm-hmm. a lot of times. I think us as the coaches, we think that it's very one sided. granted. Yes. Like Ryan Reynolds does not need my content right. or marketing help. Let's be very clear there. But, you know, I, I think this is how the world turns. And I think if he had, you know, a thousand Don Saladinos out there promoting him, it's not going to hurt. Right. So, but no, I good. think he's turning around and he's, you know, um, he's, you know, been very generous with, um, with his marketing advice. And, uh, I've got some great stories about it, but, um, for another time, mm-hmm. uh, what I would love to do today, mm-hmm. and we talked about this a little bit, is help people understand how Don Saladino becomes Don Saladino. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there are a lot of people online. It's so easy today mm-hmm. to grab a phone and say, uh, "I know how that person did it." They talked about it earlier, yeah. Right. Well, that that's with the client, right? I'm talking about like. Um, oh, they must have been introduced to this person by someone in their family. They must have gotten this connection because they happened to be in the room at the right time. But how do you get in the room? And what, what, what's, what's interesting to me is I, we have coaches who come to active life to, to further their career. And they can be living in the middle of Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, where there isn't a celebrity who's likely to be near them. They do want to have the credibility, if you will, the shine and what I think you've done really well, like I said earlier, is <clears throat> there's meat behind the sizzle. The sizzle wears off after a minute, and then you still got to eat that steak. How does somebody start to add the exposure to the quality of work that they're doing if the quality of work that they're doing is truly something that they've dedicated themselves to for five or 10 years and they're not getting the looks? You, you got to start putting yourself out there. Like you got to start putting yourself in the mix. I had this um, conversation this week with a buddy of mine, coach Adam Ross, who's a, a nutritionist and we helped expand his business. And, um, I'm trying to get him to go to events, take a public speaking course with Tom Plummer, get out mm-hmm. there, meet different people, meet different coaches, get himself into that mix. And, you're not going to be seen. Dr. Greg Rose, you know him from the Titles Performance Institute. No. He's one of, my, ta- one of my friends, one of my mentors. He was, when I went through TPI training, 
God, it was 18 years ago, I think it was. I was like the first level three when they, when they started it, he was one of the people that inspired me to open drive 495, which really started as a golf fitness training facility. And then it evolved into other, other things. And I'm training superheroes, go figure. But Mm -hmm. that's just an example that superheroes golf too. I know, but you know, it's just (laughs) weird. I didn't think when I was opening the place that, you know, you got to go with opportunity and you got to go with what you feel, Mm -hmm. right? Like if I'm sitting there training golfers and I'm like, okay, this is, this is great. And I'm good at it. And out of nowhere, I start working with these actors or these athletes and out of nowhere I start feeling something a little bit differently and that's where my passion's taking me I'm going to go with it and there was a lot more opportunity for me there because yeah I was in New York City and it's the Mecca I mean come on it's New York City I'm in my first club was in Soho I mean we would have, I mean, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's worked out at my place several times. Like mm-hmm. you would be in there and there'd be everyone from Sandra Bullock to Emily Blunt to John Krasinski. I can name for 200 names easily at least. Uh, but it was really more about me offering them something that was very private and very, very, uh, very good mm-hmm. in the sense of, of the coaches that we brought in. But I would recruit coaches from all over the place. I Young kids who were living in their parents' house in Connecticut, you know, coming up, taking our mentorship program, you're hired. And, you know, these. this is how it kind of evolved. But how did I build this? I mean, God, I've been doing this almost 25 years. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not like I just decided to start doing this and it clicked. You have to do the things that most coaches don't want to do. I was excited back in 1999 to work at Equinox. I was excited. Yeah. 2005. Which one? Uh, Great Neck. Oh, wow. I was in um, 76 in Amsterdam, New York City. I think it was like their second location. It was when the Erico's owned it. It was before it even got sold to that first private equity firm. But I've spoken about this several times. That's when I saw it go from mom and pop to corporate. And Mm -hmm. that was a really- um, When the related company bought it. No, related bought it after. So okay. one company bought it from the Ericos and then sold it for related, sold it to related for like, Everything. I think four or five X. Like it was, a, <laughs> it was, it was a big number. I think they bought it from the Ericos for. I'm going to get this number wrong. One fifty, and they sold it two or three years later for like six or seven hundred. Right, it's a nice investment, right? Yeah, so, yeah, turn, so good, yeah, good little turnaround. Yeah, good little turnaround in a short period period of time. But um, it takes time, and it takes cleaning up weights. <clears throat> it took me. You know, uh, I remember the early bird special driving into the city, making sure I had a park by 5 a.m. from Long Island. That's that's early mm-hmm. and because parking was 13 bucks. I knew I could park in there till 11 p.m., $13. Those were the days. Those I were paid the days. 52 bucks to yeah. go podcast for an hour and a half yeah. last week. Thirteen, I think it was thirteen ninety nine for the early bird special. So okay. I knew by getting in there early. So I would open up, purple shirt, cleaning up weights. When my shift was over, work out study, do what I have to do, go get a haircut, go get my nails done, whatever it was. I was just trying to fill time and then do it in the evening till closing. And I, and I did that for a while. I think you're touching on something that uh, could be missed if we don't highlight it. Yep. You were somewhere. You were physically somewhere that other people were. You need to be. Yeah, but, but this you, gets You missed. were in the beginning. Yeah. You were, and you still are I, now. I, I, you still? still are. You have to be. I don't think, I am not recommending... I'm going to shoot myself in the foot right now for saying, but I am rarely, let's use that word. I am rarely recommending an online coach if they haven't been in there getting their hands dirty. I'm, I hear you. I need to know that you have going in and working with eight different people in a row, eight different personalities physically, mm-hmm. You know, having to be able to see them in front of you, having to be able to adapt, cleaning up weights, understanding customer service. I come from a catering hall background. Like I grew up working in a catering hall for 10 years of my life. got a lot life. of similarities, man. Really? That was, you, that was my first job. Really? Okay. Yeah, I was busboy. Yeah, I was busboy too. Mm-hmm. Busboy, prefab, call what you wanted, a catering hall where we were serving 2,000 dinners a night. It was crazy. Yep. But being in that environment and seeing all the things that would go wrong, 2,000 people in a catering hall one night, 
going to be a couple drunk people. You'd have to see situations diffused at a young age. You're working, looking at someone going, oh my God, I can't believe they just did that. It scars mm-hmm. you. It really does. And it starts setting these things in your head where you start understanding how to, di- how to adapt to different environments. You have to be in a physical facility. You can't, very rarely would I ever recommend someone just trying to go online. If they want to be a coach, go get a job at a big box facility. Go do your continuing education. Go take mentorship programs, internship programs. Take as many uh, courses as possible. I don't care if you're going broke on it. You'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Like, but you need to be in that environment. Are you familiar with Patrick Bet David? Have you heard of him? Patrick who? Bet David. Bet David. No, I I thought you were going to say Patrick Davidson, and I was like, yes, I I know. Patrick Bet David. So he's. I'm not friends with him. We've never met. He is a guy who he's a very successful businessman. Mm -hmm. He talks about what you're describing right now as paying your tuition. Yeah. And that's what you did. That's, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, I was underpaid, right? My first, forget about the, the catering hall jobs. My first training job was working at a bodybuilding centric gym. What'd you make? 16, 17 bucks a training session. Yeah. I, I, something I, like that. At Equinox, I was one of the higher producing trainers that first year. Mm-hmm. I made 25 K for the whole year. Yeah. So when yeah. I got, so I ended up funny story ish. I ended up leaving that gym where I was because unknowingly I sold a bag of steroids to a member. The guy was like, I want to buy a gym bag. Uh, I'm like, we don't have, we don't sell gym bags. He's like you do sell gym bags. I'm like, I, I've worked here for six months. We don't sell gym bags. And he's like, there's a gym bag for me underneath the front desk. And I'm, I look down, I'm like, yeah, there, there's, that's weird. There is a gym bag there. And he just gives me $700 and I gave him the bag and I'm like, that was very weird. That was very weird. Yeah. So it happened kind of quick. You were young. You didn't really. I was 20, 20 Yeah. You're not looking into the situation. Old. The guy kind of, the guy kind of hustled you into just doing it. Right? Well, my boss set me up, right? Like he didn't set me up to get arrested, but he set me up to be the guy who was. That's terrible. Yeah. I'm sorry you went through that. I, it, but you probably it, learned a lot. Good, I learned a ton. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't see the flags before where the boss had an office where he had double-sided mirrors so that when his wife would come in, he could kick the girl out the door on the other side of the, the office he was in. Interesting. Right? Like, I should have left way earlier. I didn't see these things because I was young and I was like, I want to look like all of these guys. I want to be in that social group. I will do whatever it takes. If that's what it takes to tolerate that stuff, I'll tolerate it. Mm-hmm. But I left that gym and I end up going to work at Equinox in Great Neck. And Different my f- environment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very. My first year there, I was, I was pulling you know 30 sessions a week. Yeah. And I don't think I cleared 40 thousand dollars yeah but but you learn so much in that environment you do um at at the time the efti was actually pretty good i mean there's a guy Mm -hmm. named dr paul juris i remember going into these eftis every friday and learning from him and i was i was pretty amazed by him and that really is what opened the floodgates for for me and at that point it was like oh a pre and postnatal certification this weekend i'll take it like Mm -hmm. it was that was literally my whole I was like, I was just trying to take as much stuff as possible, good or good or bad. I just, but I, I always looked at every course or every person I learned under, and I, and at a young age, I did one thing. I was very, I'm actually kind of impressed upon it now. Looking back, I was like, wow. I would always assess things I liked and things I didn't like, and they were all tools I just kind of put into my toolbox or in my pocket, whatever you want to call it. And um, I wasn't leaving there going, oh this is the be all end all and getting like RKC tattoos put on my, mm-hmm. on my, on, on my calf. Right. I was, I was saying, Oh wow, this is interesting. Like I love these points they were going through. But then I was like, wow, but God, you, you had like eight different instructors all like coming around trying to correct you on little things. They were like contradicting each mm-hmm. other. And like from a business standpoint, I started seeing people butt heads and there were a lot of ego going on there. And at a young age, I was recognizing this. And I think I started packaging this into 
my future. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I took all these instances and basically said, you know, I'm going to learn from this. I had very similar experiences. So I, I, for me, it was uh, the number, the first one that really caught my eyes. I don't know if that makes sense. Is uh, Have you heard of active release technique? Oh, yeah, ART. So when I was in early in my clinical years, I got ART certified. Mm. And I remember the, the concept is you're breaking up adhesion and scar mm-hmm. tissue, which I'm sure, I'll, let's, let's, I'll, I'll, I'll say that can be done if you do it well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way it worked was you go around the room, you palpate the doctor who is teaching you how to do it. You're supposed to find scar tissue and then you're supposed to treat the area that you found it in. Mm. And so I was like the eighth or ninth guy to assess a guy, his, his uh, rectus femoris. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what do you feel? I'm like, honestly, nothing, man. I don't feel anything. I, I've never done this before. I feel nothing. And I have a question for you. He's like, what is it? And I said, if, if this works and eight people before me found scar tissue and treated it on you, isn't that going to be, how, how would it still be there? Yeah. It's like, and he's like, just give me a few passes. I'm like, Oh God. Okay. I get, I get how this could be useful. It's not going to be what I thought it was going to be, which is my whole practice. It's going to be a tool that I put in my pocket mm-hmm. and identify when to use mm-hmm. it. 100%. Um, so going back to what you were describing, being in the room, the mm-hmm. physical room, today I've made the mistake of being online too much trying to grow the business that I'm, I'm growing. And now it's like, okay, well, I got to go, go talk on the stages. I got to mm-hmm. go network with the people. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do, how do you go from that to I'm a trainer at Equinox and now I'm training Hugh Jackman a few years later? Um, God, it was just, it, everything happened pretty fast. And when I say fast, it was probably about a five or six year span. When I ended up leaving Equinox um, or getting fired, call it what you, mm-hmm. what you want, they were basically laying everyone off because they had this new company come in and they had to eliminate all of us because we were on higher pay structures right. than what they wanted to pay. So um, they let us go. I ended up leaving. They ended up hiring me back. At that point, I was already making triple and right, happier right. and controlling my schedule. I was like, okay, that's out. Um, I wasn't afraid to take risk, even to this day. I mean, even with a family, I was, I've always been a risk taker. So um, I think four years after I started my own personal training business, I was, man, I was a young kid. I mean, 22 years old. I think I made, I think I made 200 grand. Like I was like doing, I was, I was, I had a good year. I was like, okay, wow, I'm doing well. Training 40 to 60 sessions a week. Um, I was the resident trainer at the Ritz Carlton battery park. I'd pull my car up, give the guys 20 bucks. They'd watch my car five in a row. How'd you get that gig? Um, did you walk in one day? No, no. I I trained the, uh, head of construction for a company called millennium partners Mm -hmm. that built the Ritz. And he was like, I moved down here. We're building a gym. Could you come help? And the next thing you know, I just kind of monopolized that whole that that whole gym down there and just took it over and it, it was fantastic. Then I started going to one on one facilities where mm-hmm. twenty five dollars per hour, right, charging, charging one hundred twenty five bucks at the time, and it was like, okay, great, I'm pocketing cash. You know, eight ten people a day, mm-hmm. five six days a week, and it was just a machine. Like, like a drug dealer. It was it was it was, <laughs> it was great. And you know what? I'd turn around once a month, I look at a buddy and be like, where do you want to go? Vegas or Miami? We'd be mm-hmm. like, okay, let's pick it, and boom, and get on a plane, fly out, party, have a good time, and then back three weeks. It was like business, and it was it was fun for a while. And then I started realizing, I was like, man, this isn't it for me. Like, I want to have. At the time, there was no social media. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So thinking about getting into 2002, 2003, there wasn't Instagram, there wasn't Facebook, there wasn't like people weren't monetizing online. If you even started talking about paid spend, it didn't exist. Right. No one knew what it was. So the be all end all there was uh, to own gyms. I mean, I think if you owned a gym or owned a, a physical facility mm-hmm. at someone at, at that age, I think you kind of almost made it, whether it was even good doing well or not. So I went and I fundraised and I, um, ironically raised a lot of money. I raised about $5 million. That's a lot of a money. A lot of money. By the time I was- um, Did you have a business plan or were oh, you yeah. like, I think I can do it? No, full business plan. I had a partner. It was my brother. It was um, That's when we got motivated to do the kind of like almost a knockoff of TPI. We were taking TPI, which was an experience that you would go through for two, three days in, at Titleist. And we wanted to make it into a club where it had indoor simulators and- okay a liquor license and all this stuff. It was brilliant. It really was. It was, it was freaking brilliant. It was, we were the first of its kind. There was no other facility in the world doing what we did. We were the first. So people were coming in, getting training, being able to hit a golf simulator. Kinematic sequencing, 3d swing analysis. We were using K vest and AMM, um, which is a four sensor system where we would look at the kinematic sequencing of the golf swing. And um, we would do that with a TPI assessment physical therapy. That's how I met Charlie Weingroff. Charlie and I worked together for about 12 years, uh, brilliant PT. And, um, you know, we became very good friends, but that's how that business started evolving into this whole golf fitness thing. And then I met Hugh. Um, Hugh was working with a friend of mine and his, my friend actually ended up having triplets and him and his wife moved at the time. And Hugh started working with me and, and he knew like, I, I always had a I always had a physique. I lived in this performance physique sure. world. I was, I think I was on my first cover in 2002. So, um, I, I, I was someone that prided myself on being strong, but also understanding a lot about nutrition. It evolved so much more after that because I really got into hormones and I really got into looking at the body internally and working with someone like Dr. Gabrielle. And it wasn't, it wasn't about eating chicken or rice with me. It was about allowing the body to become more powerful. And um, that's when my career started really taking off because I was in there with these actors and I was always adding value. And I was always just, I was worried about them as a place they can feel safe. And then it just, the floodgates opened and people started like pouring in. I mean, it was, it almost looked fake. Like you can come in there on any given day, you'd see like 10 A-listers just training. People Mm -hmm. would have their shirts off laughing. It didn't even matter. They were so comfortable. I didn't allow cameras on the floor. It was just, it was a really nice place. Um, That was around the time when Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns shit the bed. So like, oh, wait. Holy crap. I mean, that was a scary time. I remember my brother and I looking at each other. We were doing events two a week. Mm-hmm. Cash, it's like money. It was like it was totally like covering our nut for the month, like two events a week. Right, and everything that, else is now yours. Everything else now mm-hmm. is just we're in the black, and out of nowhere, it just evaporated. Like that whole part of the business was just gone. It was, you know, you could be making ten grand cash for two hours of work, and then the next thing you know, you're going through five different levels of HR to make, you know, this the corporate spending just burnt up. So mm-hmm. we realized then we were like, we have to change this quick. This can't be the driving force of our business. This has to be like the miscellaneous category. And we hemorrhaged money for about a year. Uh, we pr- were probably lighting a hundred thousand dollars on fire a month and we were losing our shirts. I mean, it came to the point where American express shut our cards down. Um, we came in one day, our power was off by con ed. Um, we were literally taking from Peter to pay Paul. So what I started doing was I started going to a lot of these members and I said, listen, this is our situation. I'm not going to lie, but you love this place. They're like we do. You spent a hundred thousand dollars here last year. Okay. I want you to front load me a hundred grand because you have it, you'll lose it in your couch and mm-hmm. I will, we'll give you free membership and I will burn it off to a certain period of time where you're actually 
making some money off of it. Like it's not going to cost you as much. And they're like, we wanted to help. So I ended up raising about a million bucks. Okay. Um, and I burned it down myself personally in training. And, you know, I did that over the next few years, which was, so, a, which is a lot of work. So, so, if, so if anyone's talking to me about training and putting hours on, I'm like, don't ever talk to me about this. Like this is, this was on a level where I was getting into the club at 4am. Um, you know, I had a, um, I just started having a family at that time, mm-hmm. but to work like that, and it wasn't work for like, oh, we're building up our college tuition. We were digging out. We were digging ourselves out of a hole where we were personal. If I closed that, well, why wouldn't you close? Well, we, we were personal and they were going to come after $3 million of our assets. Mm-hmm. If we didn't, that we had family members signed for and certain things that they didn't even have at the time. It was just, it was a bad situation, but we dug ourselves out of it. And then we um, ended up finding a, a high level of success after that. I love that you shared that story. Thank you. There's, there's so much there. You mm-hmm. know, people, people only get to see who you are in real time at any given time. Right. And then if you did have social media back then, you might've been talking about it a little bit, just letting people in like, Hey, we're working through some things, but it probably wouldn't have been a, here's our struggle because that doesn't feel good for the people watching. it. Everyone wants to talk about things after they're done with it. It's type two fun. It's true though. Right. I mean, it's like, Oh, now that I'm through it, I can talk about it. Like you rarely hear someone turn around and talk about the struggles. And if they do, sometimes it sounds desperate. Mm -hmm. So I got to be honest. I probably wouldn't have. Right. No, I I really wouldn't have because at that time, you know, you have to fake it till you make it. Like people aren't going to want to come in and start committing if they're not sure that your power is going to be on the next day. But we had a, we had a close group of members. I kind of call them like our unofficial board that they understood our vision. They understood what we were trying to do and they understood the obstacles of 0708, uh, which really, God, was that a, was that a tough time? But I look back on it now and I think it was probably the single most important thing I ever went through in my life from a business standpoint. You find out who you are. The, the most creative I've ever been in my life. Mm-hmm. My, my brother too was when you're sitting there going, holy shit, we're going to miss payroll tomorrow. Mm-hmm. 37 consecutive payrolls. We almost missed <laughs> going to bed at night going almost, almost. I think we missed one. Mm-hmm. Um, out of those 37 and it was a day or two. And by the way, it was a shit show when it happened. I'm it was sure. a complete shit show. Like we had one staff member who was running around. They're going under. She got fired, obviously. Right, because uh, that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody. And they knew us as people. They knew we were good people. We really opened our doors to people. We really offered this family environment and we really stepped up for a lot of the coaches. The majority of them underst- understood. The majority of them were very helpful. Mm-hmm. And they were like, boss, like Friday's fine. You know, we're in this together. We're in this together type of thing. Like it's not going to help them if we, okay, then leave. Like then they're, are they going to have a job the next day? The answer is probably no. It's a terrible thing to go through. And maybe several people on this listening are saying to themselves, oh my God, it's like, it's, it's an awful feeling, but trust me, uh, all I can say to them is you will get through it. Well, here, here's, I'm sorry, go on. No, no, go. Here's what I think is important for people to hear. There are some corporations, big corporations that do a great job and make you feel important mm-hmm. and you are important to them. So I, I'm, I'm, I want to avoid poo-pooing that. The reason why your staff was like, boss, we're in this together mm-hmm. is because you were in it together. We were in it together. Yeah. It was, it was never like you guys work for me. If you don't do what I tell you to do, you no longer work for me. No. And, never said that. and that's the reason I believe why they were in it with you. It, 
we were we, uh, one thing that I did do. I never would. I, I never once said they work for me. I said we work together. It's our team. That was our. That was a line that I. I knew who was writing the the checks. And and to be honest with you, you would have an occasional. Listen, fifteen years owning a place, you're going to have an occasional employee that thinks they can do it better than you. But they're not sitting in your seat. Mm-hmm. They don't go home with the stresses. They don't know what's going on behind closed doors. They don't know the landlord you're dealing with and the flood going on in Levi's downstairs and you know the litigation going on because of this one. Like they don't see that stuff. They just see that you know, a funny, uh, actually funny story. Now I'll never forget. I had a golf pro working for me that comes into my office and he's like, I think you're, I think you and your brother are doing things wrong here. And I was like, all right, interesting. I appreciate cool. it. Oh, he, was, he, was, he wasn't necessarily the most articulate person. I was like, well, sit down and talk to me about it. All your golf pros should be wearing golf shirts, meaning like right. logo drive golf shirts. And I was like, you're right. They should be. I totally agree with you hundred percent. And he just kind of looked at me like this. I was like, you want to know why they're not? And he goes, well, yeah, enlighten me. Tell me. I said, well, you know, we lost AC this month, right? And he goes, yeah, I go, it's $20,000 in August mm-hmm. to fix. So right now, 20 grand isn't something in the gym business in New York city. When you have a $2 million overhead, that's just hanging out. Like it's mm-hmm. you're living paycheck to paycheck, especially at that time. So we've got an option and I want you to help me think about this. We can either turn the AC back on cause we're going to have concept air come in and fix it for us. Or, you know, we can go dip into that and we can tell the members to wait, have you in the golf shirts that you want to be in. Mm-hmm. And you just walked out of my office, but do you see the thought process? Like, and that wasn't just once you had other coaches there, you know, da, 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 da. and it happens in business. They're not going to take the risk that you're going to take. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go lease the space that you're going to lease. They're not going to go take cash out of their, out of your own pocket and put it on the line. Mm-hmm. They're all, and, and, and the most comical thing about it is it's really on the coach. Mm-hmm. It, 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 the, the coach is coming in and is making an agreement, Sean. Like they're, the coach is coming in and shaking your hand and going, I agree to work for you for this amount of money. But if they're feeling undervalued at a certain point or they want to make more money, leave. Sure. Like leave. Like, like your business can only afford to pay that employee so much money. If you start minimizing your margins, what's the point? Right. Why are you doing this? Well, I think, I think um, for the employee listening out there, the, the take home here is your exchange. Mm-hmm. is security, safety, consistency. And you don't have to ride the volatility that the business owner is riding. And in exchange, your reward is smaller than the person who is taking the greatest risk. Or that- or figure out a way to add more value. Yes. One of the best stories that I... I it was at a time where I couldn't afford to give raises. And I had this coach, I've told a story that came in, he ended up being my head coach. And um, fascinating story, by the way, really, really, really quick. This kid reached out to me six months consecutively because he wanted to work for, for me. I'm like, I think by the sixth time, I was like, how do I say no? Like, this motherfucker, excuse right. my language. I'm like, oh, this, you can use it. This, I'm like, this motherfucker, this, this guy is just keeps, he's, he's just, it's, it's unbelievable. And he was doing it in a way it wasn't annoying. And I call him up, I go, Chris, listen, do you want to work? I, I, you, want, you, you still want to work here? Because he said in the email, oh my God, yes, I said, Chris, this is the pay. I can't hand you people. This is the worst time of year for me to be doing this. Where are you living? Where is like, mm-hmm. I, I just can't, but I, I want to bring in. He's like, don't worry about it. It's not your problem. He's like, I will be there. What time you need me there? I said, I need you there at this time. I said, done. Two years later, I had probably 30 trainers between two clubs. He was my head coach. Mm-hmm. 
He was my head coach. Every time he walked into my office every year, he had some type of a spreadsheet. And I go, fuck, I'm gonna have to give this guy a raise right now. I don't know. <laughs> He's like, because he would sit down and he would break down. This is what I'm doing. This is what I could be doing for you now. This is gonna generate you X and I want Y. How do you say no to well, that? Well, but that, that's, that's the thing. He, he understood. I had a conversation with a team member uh, yesterday and he came about it exactly the right way. He was like, where can I add value so that I can make more money in this business? Mm -hmm. And I said, honestly, right now, I don't know because I have not been thinking about how can I help you create value that I haven't been able to create myself mm -hmm. because I'm focused on where are we going and your focus is on where are we? Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I, I need you to do that. And I appreciate that you do that. If you can look at where we are, and figure out how we do the things that we're already doing mm -hmm. faster, more efficaciously, more consistently, um, more in a way that has more empathy to it, such that our clients start to refer more often, our coaches have more bandwidth for clients. Mm -hmm. How could I not pay you for that? 100%. But Because you're smart also, because <laughs> you understand the value of it. And people... The one thing that I was told from Equinox back in 99 when it got taken over, I had, and it was a bad message, and I'm sure they would never say this today. I'm sure of it. I'm positive. Yeah, I'm positive. <laughs> I don't speak New Year's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I had the GM walk into a room. I had the GM. The GM walked into a room of 45 coaches, smart coaches, Paul Frediani, Annette Lang, like coaches that were working on their PhDs. Like mm -hmm. it, was, it, was, it was impressive. It was, the, it was the place to be at the time. And she looked at us and she went, you're all expendable. The first words out of her mouth. So dumb. And it was, this, it was the worst and best message at the same time. It was the worst the way she delivered it. She didn't have to say it that way. Awful, awful, awful leadership mm -hmm. right there. But she was right. Mm -hmm. She was 100% right. Well, um, and, and that was something that I thought about my whole career. And I said, you know what? I will be replaced by everyone at some point. It's going to happen. And that allowed me to show this level of humility. I think it was important. I think the more valuable way for leaders to say something like that is if you were to leave, we would find a way to replace you. It's We wouldn't be happy about it, but we would find a way right. to replace you. We, we would be forced to. Because I, if I was to look at our team and say to any of them, you're expendable, I would be completely full of shit. Oh, yeah. They're, they're not expendable. Um, and at the same time, if they left, got hit by a bus, whatever it would be. God forbid, right? Yeah, right. sure. We would have to replace them. Which, which And then means, after a period of time, guess what? You will be fine. Yes. And that was and that was the and that was the that was I don't want to say lesson drill. It was a terrible message. But it, it allowed me to think about things a certain way. The one thing I never did in my position was I walked around with a big head on. I you never did, did or you did never not? Never did. Mm -hmm. Never did. I mean, I, I did I make bad decisions? Did I art articulate messages incorrectly early sure. in my career? Hell yeah. Did I say things to coaches? And I'm like, well, why did I say that? Did I then reconcile later on, years later, because it weighed on me? Sure. Mm -hmm. I did. That's what I believe in doing. I just, I believe in life. We got to learn from our mistakes. But, um, you know, it, there, there was a little bit of truth to what you were saying back then. Sure. Well, I haven't trained a client about seven years. Good for you. And I recently, well... I miss it sometimes. Yeah. I just, I, you know, it's, it's one of those, every, every, every pit of energy I would put towards that is a bit of energy away from what I'm trying to do more completely. It's tough. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so I recently had one of my first personal training clients ever, a guy nobody knows, right? Very successful, but nobody knows him online. I had him in for a podcast to talk about what, why were you take a chance on a 22 year old idiot mm -hmm. who didn't know, like I had you power clean. 
in your first workout, you wanted to lose 50 pounds. Your glasses were fogging up. What was I doing? Having you power clean. It's amazing. Um, yeah. But, but the, the interesting thing about those conversations is it's all about what did you learn when you were in the middle of doing like, I didn't have a big head on my shoulders either. I knew I was, I knew I was good more than I actually was. So mm -hmm. I did have that. I had confidence. Sure. But I remember really having some disdain in, in, in a negative way for the trainers who would build their business doing what I viewed as like dance choreography with hot chicks up and down the middle of the Equinox floor. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to build a business like that. That woman's not getting fitter. She's not, there's no plan for her. Right. And so I ended up working with all of the clients who nobody else knew how to or was interested in working with. Right. The people with frozen shoulder, the people with ALS. The, the, the island of misfit toys, you know, dude, there, in a way. It's there like, were days I came in and left the gym wrinkled because I spent the whole day in the pool. Trying to fix. Oh, yeah, exactly. And yeah. a lot of trainers are like, we have a pool. Now, that's an exaggeration, <laughs> right? It's an exaggeration, but- I love it. People, in, people would go to the pool to hide. Right. And they'd find me training a client. They'd be like, can I, can I work can with I you? Can I work with you? Yeah, interesting. Um, but so what I, I want to go back to your story there. Yeah. A few th a few lessons I've picked up so far on how to become Don Saladino. Mm -hmm. Number one, be in the place where people are. Yeah. Number two, uh, take chances. Mm -hmm. Number three, allow yourself to make less money than you are potentially worth for a long enough period of time where the exchange that you're making there is experience and value. 100%. Right, knowledge. Um, the next thing I want to ask you about is you talked about going to get a prenatal, postnatal certification on a mm -hmm. weekend, right? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on the value of weekend certifications? Um, my thoughts on the value of them? I think it's like anything else. I think there's there's good and there's bad. It, it, it's, um, I think if you can go and put it in a little bit of an investment, you're making an investment and leave with some nuggets that you're going to now hold for the rest of your life. I mean, if the course costs you $1,000 and you utilize one tool from that over the next 20 years of your career, I think it was valuable. Mm -hmm. Um but like anything else, it's like when we were talking about CrossFit earlier, what do you think about CrossFit? Well, what do I think about restaurants? There's good right. restaurants and there's bad restaurants. There's good courses, there's bad courses. But an interesting lesson that I um, put one of my coaches through years ago is he was almost bashing one of the um, speakers at an event that we were in. He was like, oh, this guy's terrible. I'm not going to listen to him. I was like, yeah, now we're all going in. Right. And he's like, why? There's 600 people in this room. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go in and we're going to sit through this for 75 minutes and we're going to talk about afterwards what we gain from his talk. Mm -hmm. And the guy's not a bad coach. He just, things were a little bit fluffier than what this trainer believed in. So he immediately was kind of poo-pooing it, right? And But you know, you go into the room with someone who's got 600 people, 1,000 people. Why? What is their draw? What can you learn from them? You know, I know coaches that are continually taking weekend certifications and they're just their continuing education. Like, okay, you've done 200 hours of continuing certs and mentorship programs. That's fantastic. But have you taken a public speaking course? And they're like, no. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, like, interesting. Like, have you, um, anyone ever assess you on camera? Like some of the things that I went through were almost, I don't want to say by accident, but some of the best drills in my life were back in 2010 when I was started shooting for Revolution Golf. Justin Tupper, one of my closest friends to this day was the CEO of this company. He ended up building this business in the garage um, of his parents' house in Buford, South Carolina. That's where they shot Forrest Gump, those scenes where he was sitting mm -hmm. in. I think it's where they shot scenes of Forrest Gump. And I think it was when he was eating the chocolates and talking to the okay. lady. Life was like, I think that was at, but I know a portion of it was shot in Buford, not like it even matters. But um, he started this golf online company that he ended up selling the golf channel for like a big number. And 2010, we were in drive and he would come in with his camera crew and I started shooting these golf 
videos. And that's why I still work with Golf Channel. I mean, this is 12 years later. I'm still with Golf Channel. But my experience of being on camera really came down to Justin being mm-hmm. behind the camera with the videographer. And Dave Lavery, one of the videographers who just shot me um, a couple months ago, was shooting me back in 2010. It's crazy. But I remember Justin looking at me and being like, dude, stare at the lens. Think of who's the person you're most comfortable with in your life. If you were instructing this to right now, who do you see? And I, whoever it was, my mom, it doesn't matter. And I just looked at that camera and I just saw the picture of my mom in there the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I just had a conversation and it became very authentic for me. And then I'd go back and watch the video and be like, oh my God. I just kept saying the word, um, you know, um, there was a word I kept saying over and over. I must have said it like 50 times in the video. And I was like, I'm never going to say that word ever again. I can't believe I'm forgetting it. Um, it'll come to me in a second. But you learn from those. And yes. then every year goes by and there's this evolution. Like that's not something, like you're not going to take a bottle of red wine and be like, okay, it's it's mature. Like it needs years, right? Like there's just, I needed years. It didn't matter. You're not fast tracking this stuff. You have to make mistakes. You have to go back into that video. You have to look at things you did wrong. And that's the evolution I feel. I feel like that's the evolution of a coach. I think you, to, who's going to be both doing it brick and mortar and online. Well, so the next lesson there is to consistently audit your own quality. Yep. Right. So uh, I had a similar experience. I I had a co I would ask my general manager, the, the personal training manager at Equinox to come out and watch sessions. Mm. I'm like, please don't stand next to me. Cause I, I don't want the client to know that you're watching, but I would love for you to watch me train the client in this particular thing and tell me how I can do a better job. Smart. Right. So little, as long thing. as he was good, <laughs> he, he was good. I still good. have a lot of respect good. for him. Good. Awesome. Um, then after that I was putting on, you know, the, the next thing is really putting on seminars for coaches. That was the next level of what I was doing. And I would have a mentor of mine come and watch in the back and just tell like, how could I speak better to the audience? And I remember one of the most valuable things he taught me was he's like, you went up there, you assume they all know who you were because they were in the room and you did not share any of your background. They want to know he's right. who you, yeah, right? So I said, well, how do, what do I do? I go up there and I'm like, Hey, it felt egotistical yes, to you. Yes, yes. I, I get it. I was there with you. And he's like, so just ask them permission to share your story. Yeah. And they're all going to be like, yes, please. And so I did. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. They, they are interested in that. Then you watch the videos, the first early videos that you were in. You're like, oh God, what was I thinking with that hair? <laughs> Why was I shooting into the light? Yeah. Like every word ends in an up note. Then you have someone like you just keep going. Oh yeah. I'll never forget my first talk at Perform Better 10 years ago, I look in the crowd and Mike Boyle's sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy shit, Mike Boyle's listening to me talk. Right. I didn't even know him then, right? And uh, we go on the panel afterwards and I'm sitting next to him and he's like, nice, nice job. I said, Mike, thank you so much. So great to see you out there. I said, Mike, um, what do you think I could do to improve? And he goes, no, I thought you did good. I go, Mike. And he goes, after this, after this is over, let's, let's go grab a beer. I was like, okay, done. So mm-hmm. We went down into uh, Fleming's at the road, at the convention center in Rhode Island. I think we drank about whatever, how many six quote Bud Lights so he likes to drink, and he was like, da 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 da, and I was like, <laughs> that's how he would do it. Too. Yeah, he was just he was awesome, and 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 to this day, I consider Mike like one of the most important people in my training career because every year he would come listen to me. Every year we would go to breakfast. You know, I reach out to him. I, I I took a train all the way up. I got on a train one day. I took a three-hour Acela up to Boyle. I took an Uber to his facility to walk through the facility, mm-hmm. bought him breakfast, jump on the Acela, and left. Probably spent 
two hours with them. Mm-hmm. How many people are going to do that? You would. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would, but most people, oh, it's a lot of time. And oh my God, the, the, the Acela ticket, that's going to cost me like a couple hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. And they're looking at it very, in a very, you know, I wanted to show Mike that I was serious. It was a level of respect that Mike needed to see from me. And I consider him a friend now, but how many people are doing that these days? Or they, they're, they're not, the amount of free sessions I had to do, like, Ebenezer Samuel, one of my good friends now, he's the head fitness editor of um, Men's Health, right? Do, mm-hmm. you, do you know Eb? I was just going to mention that uh, I was going to ask you. Yeah. You finish your story and then I'll, I'll So Eb, I reached out to Eb for like 18 months. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like every month, but like every couple months, every time I was like, guy was like blowing me off. I met Brett Williams, another great editor over there who I just spoke to the other day. Brett's phenomenal, by the way. And finally, I'm like, Eb, come in for a workout. And he's like, oh, you know, I'll come down. And we did a leg session together. And he was just like, I got to start doing legs with you. I said, thanks. <laughs> <It's great." laughs> but the next thing you know, like that was an 18-month investment. We become friends. He comes out to the barn all the time. We get training sessions in. He puts me on the advisory board for men's health. Like mm-hmm. these are things that like at the time I wasn't looking at. It. I was like, what can you do for me? My attitude was, what can I do for you? Yeah. And that has been my formula my entire career. I never went into one relationship expecting something. I went into these relationships trying to show them value. And then it's a lock. Have you ever taken a speaking engagement or an opportunity for granted because you've done it so many times, Mm -hmm. like I'm gonna show up and do my thing, I'll be great. And then, has that ever happened for you? just what do you mean? Just showing up last minute, like no, not last minute. Like someone asks you to speak somewhere, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I would love to come and speak. Sure, and you yeah. genuinely value the opportunity, absolutely, yeah. But then you don't prepare for it, and you're like, oh. uh, no, I, I, oh God, there was one, there was one. It's not entirely my fault. I'm going to be honest mm-hmm. here. I, I spoke at the um, the PGA show in Orlando probably ten years ago, but the presentation, like what it was, we were going up there. I thought it was a PowerPoint. They were like, it's not a PowerPoint. I was like, okay. I was like, what is it? You're on the stage. We don't want you having any visuals up there. It's just going to be a talk. And so suddenly that changes. So I got out there and I think I left that talk saying to myself, I could have done a better job. Mm -hmm. And I remember that upset me because I want to go up there. I want to do my best showing. Now, my first talk at Perform Better 10 years ago, damn, I don't know if you remember, you remember your first talk, Mm -hmm. right? Your heart's racing. Like, I don't care how confident you are. I don't care how many times you're on camera. Like, you're a little fuzzy. And um, I think just doing it over and over and over, that gives you confidence to where now, yeah, I can get up there in front of a room of five, 600 people and I could talk to them as if I'm looking into that camera and it's my mom's face. You know, then you feel that level of comfort. You're pulling people out of the crowd and you're really trying to engage with them. For me, that's fun. That's, I really enjoy that. The reason I ask you that question is, Recently, I gave a talk and I was a lot of stuff happened between the day I got asked to give the talk and the day of the talk. And I was like, I know what I'm going to talk about. I know what I'm talking about. And I didn't, I didn't practice it. I didn't prepare it. Cause I'm like, I've, I've said all of the elements of what I'm going to say and right. I can put them together. And then Ebenezer sends me a DM and he's like, Hey, I'm really looking forward to your talk. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I'm I, like, this is going to be his first impression of me. Of me. And I haven't, so I canceled my whole morning and I just, just crammed, prepped my ass. Smart. Yes. How'd you do? How, who, who knows? How do you ever know? Right? Yeah. I, you know, it, it, it really I, is. You, you have that feeling, right? Yeah. You have that feeling. There's certain talks that I look back on that were three, four years ago that I'm like, oh my God, I nailed that. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's 
you, you didn't leave there having that same feeling. So, so. I felt I felt really good about yeah. it. Um, the title of the talk did not match what I was talking about at all because mm. I looked back and I was like, I gave them the title the day that they asked me if I would speak because yeah. I thought I needed to. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't tell them I was changing the title until the day of the talk. Right. And so the people in the room might, it might've been a mismatch. So that's where I'm like, oh, I don't know. But I think I spoke well. I got three people asked me to be on a podcast afterwards. Yeah. I mean, listen, emailing. it's, it's, you know, they're, they're going to remember your last talk. Yeah. You know, they're well, going to remember your last talk. What I mean, one. what I'm saying is it, it landed, but, but yeah. the idea of, I will never forget that hmm. because now it will always be put your Ebenezer, whoever it is. He's in the room. Oh yeah. When I'm talking always, you never know who's watching you. Correct. You never know who's watching. Um, yeah. So by the way, was your first talk on behalf of somebody else or was it on behalf of yourself? On behalf, it was, it was on behalf of myself. I mean, it was really telling my brand story. It was, I'm sorry. I should, let me ask that question better. Was it on your own stage or on someone else's stage? It was performed better. Okay. Um, Ooh, I'm sure I gave, I gave some talks at drive early on, Mm -hmm. but like the first time I got called in to do a, like, like a, sure. I don't even know. Did you Uh, ever host seminars on your own? Yeah. That's at drive. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like I I think a lot of people wait for the call. Right. And they're like, now, oh, you need practice. Yeah. Even if you have 10 people in the room, you need practice. You need set up a camera, Mm -hmm. set up a camera. Film yourself on camera every day and just mm-hmm. go back and watch it. How about this? Do it in front of people. That's the real test, I think. Like when you have, you know, if it's your wife or your husband or whatever standing behind the camera, like it's different. Put put eight people behind there, 10 people behind there to kind of watch and assess. And that's what Revolution Golf did for me because you had the whole crew in there and they're watching you and you know that their schedule, their lunchtime is all contingent upon how many times you're, how many takes you're doing that in. And I think having that added pressure that, that really helped me. Do you find that a big room or a small room is more intimidating? If you will, I know intimidating might be the wrong word. Which room do you feel that? I don't feel any different. I don't no? think I know. I really, and that's, and that's an honest people are people. It's like, there's 10 in the 10 people watching you. Um, the talk's going to change a little bit. It's going to become a little bit more intimate. Mm-hmm. I think now you could start, you know, leaning yeah. on every single person. I think when you have a huge room, you can generalize it. Uh, Chelsea Clinton gave some great advice to didn't, Drew. I didn't see a Chelsea Clinton reference coming out in this podcast. One of my favorite people I've ever worked with. Okay. Phenomenal human being. She's probably the only person, you know, you can talk politics with. She was very like, All right. very cool and very like, oh, you have your beliefs. Like, and you walk down the street, you, you can't even admit to people anymore, whether you're Democrat or Republican, right. you get half the world wanting to kill you. It never used to be like that, I felt like. But um she turned to Drew Powell, who's an actor, who was giving a commencement speech at his university. And uh, she said, she goes, Drew, this is what you're going to do. Find, you know, grandma in the front row. And you're just going to look at her. If you're, if you're feeling nervous, you're going to look at her. You're going to reference her. And that's going to give you. And Drew, like, walked on stage and heart was pumping a little bit and a full crowd and found his mark. And then the whole time he was going back and forth with this person. He, he was so shocked on how that just kind of decompressed him a bit. And, um, I find that, you know, helps me too. I try and use an entire room mm-hmm. and I really try and, um, get people involved and allow people to feel like that. I'm you know, really like I'm not such a robot and I'm a bit emotional and having some fun up there. So yeah, the speaking end of it is something that's going to continue to evolve for me. I love it. I, I love, con- I'm going to continue to do it. And, um, but man, has, has there been a good evolution with that throughout the last te- decade? <clears throat> for me, when, when I'm in a small room, mm. I'm like, uh, this is different. 
It's like, oh, I, do you feel a little more tight? You feel oh, a little yeah, bit more yeah, jacked yeah. up? I, yeah. I, like when I jammed when up. So if I'm going into a room and there's, let's say, 30 people plus, 30 to, to 3,000, I haven't mm. done 3,000, so I'm, I'm talking out of my ass on this, but mm. I imagine 30 to 3 million is the mm. same. Under 30, and I see faces, and I'm like, oh, that person, that, that, that didn't land with that person. Hmm. And I anticipate all of that before I go in. And then I have to talk myself into, don't worry about that person. There are 29 other people for whom it yeah. might have landed. Uh, and I just, I find that that's an interesting nuance to giving talks. But the reason I brought up the talk thing is I think I gave 20 talks to audiences that I put together before anybody asked me to speak on behalf of themselves. Oh, that's on, cool. On their business. Yeah. And so I think for people listening, they hear you giving talks on stages. They hear me giving talks mm. on stages and they're like, how do I get on a stage? It's well, you haven't talked to a gym full of people yet. Right. Right. Gather 10 people who want to learn something from you and teach them. Right. I mean, some uh, international, it definitely is different because of that language barrier and because I'll use specific jokes or references that are like 80s movies and I, I go in that environment. I'm like, that's out. Like you, right, you right. just can't do that. Um, Comic-Con for me was the biggest crowd I've ever spoken to. That was about- What were you talking about at Comic-Con? Oh, I guess training athletes. Yeah, uh, training superheroes. Like they right. wanted to hear how, I think it was for, it was Dave Harbour, Hellboy. Okay. So how I, so they brought me on stage for like 20 minutes and I spoke to 8,000 people, which lot. was pretty awesome. But it was, when you looked, I remember thinking I was going to be nervous and I remember looking out in the crowd and seeing how happy and excited everyone mm. was. And that was just like, well, that's, a game, it was, a, it's, it's, you know, it's a game changer when you look out there you read the crowd and you're like, all right, they're into this. Then you're, then you're fueled differently. Well, that's, that's another thing to remember. I think is that the audience wants you to do well because they want to have a good experience. Yeah, of course. Right, so they're not out there looking for you to fail. They're looking for you to succeed. Right. But if you suck, you suck. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you true. suck, you suck. If you're, if you're giving like, I've been to some talks where I'm sitting there going, Oh my God, like this is, this is terrible. Wow. It's, just, it's, it's almost a bit embarrassing. I've you know, never to mention any names, but it happens. It, it, it has happened to everyone. It's happened to all of us. It may happen to us again. You never know. I think you just got to go up there and do the best you can. Yeah. Well, I was telling you earlier about, uh, that I, I, had, I had the experience with Rich Froning working yeah. with him as a client. Mm. He invited me out to his gym to do a seminar mm. that he, that he helped, helped us fill. And that that gym is in what I would cons I guess I would consider it to be the Bible Belt, right? And I did not cons that was my first time talking in that area, and I don't curse often, but I I curse, mm. and I started the thing with like a sentence that ended in the word bullshit, and usually people laugh. Oh, they were all like they were like, ooh, I don't know like, if I like oh, this guy. Man. And I the next time I spoke, before I talked, I acknowledged, hey, I apologize for using the language I used in the last talk that I gave, I realized now that it may have offended some of you and they were, they were gracious. They were like, Hey, I really appreciate that. That's, yeah, no, it's cool. It's yeah. nice when you show your vulnerable side. It's nice when you turn around, when, when human beings turn around and admit that they were, that mm -hmm. they were wrong or maybe made a bad decision. I think, you know, that was a bad decision. <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, I've been there. Yeah. I've done it. Yeah. Well, so, so you, you very nonchalantly earlier dropped that, you know, when I was on my first cover, and I know you've been on what seven thousand four hundred and sixty-two. No, covers? not that many. <laughs> That's my buddy Frank Seppi, who okay, I train yeah, a lot okay, with. He's okay. been on over five hundred covers That's now. I, I probably who knows really. I mean, I, I know I've probably been on at least a dozen. Mm -hmm. But what they start doing is they start taking covers like Muscle and Fitness. I saw it in like Japan, and it's the same cover, but it's you know in Japanese. And you're mm -hmm. like, okay. And then out of nowhere, I see Coach Magazine the cover. I'm like, That's the how the hell do they get that? What? That's the same picture. No, it was a different picture. But oh. I was like, I never shot that cover. I'm like, where'd they get that from? 
It's like things, but it's the covers are covers. And, you know, I've done um, muscle fitness in the last twice in the last, uh, since 2018, I think I did muscle two muscle fitness and men's health since 2018. And before that there was a, there was a bunch as well. How do you get found for that? Now I'm asking, I, I don't belong on the cover. It's not, you might, you got a good frame on you, man. Come on. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm not, I'm not knocking myself down, but I, I put a little, I put less emphasis on my aesthetics and a little bit more emphasis on, do I like eating that? than than you probably do. You work out more often than I do. It's your priorities are, mm-hmm adjacent and close to mine. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, what I'm asking is the covers I want to be on ultimately, not today. I don't deserve them yet are the Forbes, the entrepreneur. Yeah, those would be great. Right? And even a men's health and, and, but not for my physique, for the business that I built and the disruption that we're creating. I don't know. I wasn't, I don't think I was on those last three covers I mentioned. I wasn't on it. I don't think for my physique, I have a good physique, but, um, for what you're doing. Right. I, I think it's more about the business I've created and how I've pivoted and, you know, just this. So, so how, how do you get there? Because I'm asking, I, I'm these asking are those, these now. are, these are those relationships we were talking about. These are, you know, positioning yourself with, you know, you know, different people, different publications. I mean, listen, media, these publications, I mean, a lot of them are struggling. I mean, mm-hmm. covers aren't, you know, they're, they're out there, but they're moving digital now and they're not as popular and they don't have, I don't think they have that cachet mm-hmm. that they had back in the eighties and nineties. Right. But I think a lot, but I could tell you right now, like, yeah, listen, my, my physique is good. And, and, but I, I admit there's a million people out there with maybe a better physique than maybe professional the, competitors, et cetera. But, but that's why I asked the question because yeah. you didn't get on strictly for your physique. No. Right. And, and it definitely helped. Let's, let's not, let's not, let's, not get it twisted here. It definitely helped. No doubt about it. But um, yeah, I think it was more the story. Mm-hmm. I think it was more the story. I think they were able to tie in a lot of what I do. I think a lot of the celebrities are, you know, when they come into me, most of them are in this vulnerable position. Most of them, mm-hmm. um, you know, how do I get to where you are? And I think, you know, you are your business card when you're in it. Like I'm, I'm not coming to you for PT if you're a mess, right? Mm-hmm. If you're like, oh, I'm back pain and shoulder pain. It's like suddenly you're like, well, how the hell is this guy going to be able to help me if he can't help himself, right? right. It's, it's the reality of it. Yeah, it's always been my line. You are your business card. So I think that's been a big driving factor of my business and what it is I've been doing. And I think it's been attractive to the publications because I have massaged these relationships. You know, I am not sitting there going, what am I getting paid to come in and do this three hour commitment with you guys? I don't care. It's like, what are they going to pay me? 250 bucks, 500 bucks. Like, is it really going to move the needle for me? I don't even give a shit. Like it doesn't, I don't say that egotistically. I'm just saying that like, no, this is more about me coming up big for someone who needs me. Who's part of that. And, Mm the relationship. And then one day it's like, okay, we may have an opportunity here. You might be perfect for it. It's like, you want to be in people's heads. You don't want to just reach out to people when you need something, reach out to them when you have something for them, mm-hmm. reach out to them when you think that you can, you know, bring some value to their life, make it about them. How about this? Go to an editor and rather than making it about the magazine, how can I help you with your personal or your wife with her personal or. So you, do, you, do you, do you think, I'm, I'm curious here yeah, because I do what you're describing right now all the time mm-hmm. and I mix up different approaches. Sure. Do you think going in and asking the question, how can I help you is the best way to go? Or do you think going in and saying something like, for example, I heard you on this podcast, say this thing to this person. I believe I have a solution for you. If the following is I like true. That. I like that better. Okay. I like that a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like, Hey, by the way, I heard your knees been ripped up. Right. Like, do me a favor, pick a day, come down, spend an hour, hour and a half. I'll bring in lunch. 
Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can move the needle a little bit. And let's see if we can get out, get you out there feeling better. And I'll, I'll send you a list of things to do on your own. I think that's the play. Right. Not asking, don't ask for anything. And that's like, I've gone. Well, and, then, and then I don't know, guess what? You will get burned. Mm-hmm. If you do that to 10 people, seven of them are going to take it for granted. Mm-hmm. They're going to expect it. They're going to have that sense of entitlement. I had a woman once. She was a freelance editor that messaged me. I was doing some work with her and she asked me to write out a program. So I wrote out a 12-week program from start to finish. It took me a lot of time. And then I'm not going to mention the guy's name. I, I delivered it to her. She then a week later posted about an ex NFL guy who wrote her a program. Stop. And to this day, I will not give her any content. Mm-hmm. She reaches out to me all the time. Does she I, know why? Nope. I'm not telling her. I don't <laughs> care. It doesn't matter. It, Cause it, 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 it doesn't matter. Cause right. of, cause of a few reasons. Like it wasn't the first thing that she did. There was something else that I kind of was like, all right, I'll give her a break on it. It's who she is. Right. I'm not giving her, I'm not giving her any love. Mm-hmm. I'm very politely. Sorry. Going to have to pass on this. Sorry. Going to have to pass on this. Happy to refer someone to you. I don't want to do it. And they're like, well, why wouldn't you do it? Well, one, first off, you know, you put all this time in to, you know, answering these questions. The, the, I think some of these publications are really messing up because they're trying to keep their costs so low mm-hmm. that they're hiring children to come in. And I got interviewed the other day. I had an interview set up by a big, 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 um, we'll call it outlet, very big. The woman's at the Whole Foods counter, like checking out. And I said, oh, hi. I said, While she was interviewing you? And I was like, listen, I'm like, do you want to, do you want to talk later? Like, I can hardly hear. Oh, no, no, no. It's fine. Just hold on one second. And she's like, yeah, can I get a bag? And she's literally, I thought it was the most unprofessional thing. She's utilizing my time. So she gets on a call with me. She asked me questions for 45 minutes. 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Answer, go into detail on probably half the questions because the other half that she was asking was like, whoa, what does this celebrity do with his wife and or, or this? They're not mentioning any names. And I said, listen, I just can't answer that. Mm-hmm. I got a call from her editor. I heard you didn't want to answer any questions. And I said, no. I said, the article was supposed to be on this. I said, I would answer questions, but I wouldn't get anything personal. Mm-hmm. Right, and I didn't think she'd be at Whole Foods checking out. Which right, I didn't think she'd be at Whole Foods checking out. She's like, "What are you talking about?" And I, I went into detail on. It. I said, well, "In all fairness, I thought the interview went fine, mm-hmm. but now she's complaining that she didn't give you the juicy meat that you guys wanted." Right. So then I get a call back from them like a week later, like, "Oh, we'd like to use the article." And I'm like, "Unfortunately, my team decided to pass on it. It wasn't. These things are not. These things are not really doing anything for the coach anymore. Like mm-hmm. the coach being featured in the articles and." I'm, I'm probably shooting myself in the, but it's the reality. Like you're not going to get a big return on followers. You're not going to get paid a big amount of money. Like it's bragging rights in the beginning, but then after a while, like it's so got, what, what it's, does have the return? Um, engagement. So, so engagement, it, it really does. And I think on any capacity, I mean, if an email list will give you over, I think the statistic a few years ago was something like over 130% ROI in comparison to you, you know, mm-hmm. an Instagram, like I think an email list is huge. Mm-hmm. I think engaging with people on social media, I think giving talks, I think adding value, lead magnets, giving away free, free, free. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic. Right. I think building trust in people. I think if you're a good person, allowing them to see who you are. I think me getting mentioned in a publication 
You know, I do it now with people I have great relationships with. Eb Samuel, Men's Health. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett Williams, Men's Health. Charles Thorpe, you know, Men's Journal, Rolling Stone Magazine, all these other. There are certain editors out there we have great relationships with, and they put me in a great light, and I'm grateful for it. You start aligning with people that have, you know, that that have your best interest, and they want to put you in the best light. And I have to make decisions now, where's my time going? Mm-hmm. I'm not interested in going and talking about one of my clients' um, personal information. No, uh, so you, uh, no you, it's not what I do. I'm a I'm a coach, and and I if I can add value, and someone can turn around and decide to put it in a light that I feel proud of, then then we can do business together. But if it's I'm giving an interview on a um, on an app, and suddenly it's like Blake Lively's trainer tells all, it's like. This one has nothing to do with the other. This was clickbait. Like it just, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put myself in those situations anymore. And that, I think that's something that I really had to learn over the last 20 plus years. I think it's a really valuable lesson. You know, it, the, the, it is because don't sell yourself short. Don't devalue what it is you do and the years that you put into your business to now suddenly, you know, someone is just interested in exposing you in a certain way where it's going to drag more mm-hmm. eyeballs to their page. And I think the young coach or the coach that's trying to get noticed is very quick to pull the trigger. And when I say that, I mean like, oh, I'll, I'll take anything. Mm-hmm. Be thoughtful about it. Pad that relationship, you know, have an understanding. How are they going to, I've had, I've had companies come in and do full day shoots in my facility for free. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned the name of my club in the spine of the magazine and spelled it wrong. <laughs> Come on. Right. Like this is not my first rodeo here after a certain period of time. If I sound aggressive or if I sound, I'm not, it's just, I'm very, I'm very hard on these points. You start looking at this and it, it, it business has to be handled differently. It, mm-hmm. it, you can't, a publication can't keep turning around saying, well, 50 billion, we have a a viewership of 50 million people. Like, okay, like what's your conversion? Like it's, this is business. Like if I'm going to give my time and give my information and then you're not mentioning anything that I'm talking about and you're spelling the name of my club wrong, what's the point? Yep. Right. Well, there's a mistake that I made earlier and you're speaking to it really well right now. I wrote for an article called train magazine. I I remember train, right? Yeah. So I did it for like six months and then I didn't get a return I was like, I'm out. That was dumb. That was dumb. It, what, what you're describing right now. Different. What's that? It's different when I'm, when I'm describing yeah. it right now. It, well, it's, well, it's very different. But the, the, the big thing about what you're describing is, from what I'm hearing, you want to work with people who are professional, who are yes. going to be prepared, who yes. are going to treat the relationship in a way that they want another opportunity to, to see you. I want to trust. Yes. I want to trust. I want to, I want to know that I'm, I'm working with people that are going to not only have to, you know, accomplish what they need to accomplish, but they're going to also look out for my best interest as well. That's what business relationships are. Mm -hmm. That's how the world is built. We said something earlier. I'm not self-made. I've, I've legitimately had so much help along the way. I've had situations financially where the club was sucking wind and I had members believe in me. I had opportunities given from some incredible people who valued what it is I was doing. I had some amazing people in Hollywood who felt like putting me up on a pedestal and showcasing me when they didn't have to. Mm-hmm. I had some amazing, I still have some amazing mentors. I mean, along the way, I have, I will, the one thing I'll pat myself on is my work ethic the level of resiliency. But when it comes down to getting help, I got it. And I think 
I haven't really met anyone who hasn't. There's always been a break or there's always been some type of, you know, uncle that helped out or made it. How about introductions? I'm sure you've gotten introductions to certain people. Gabrielle introduced me to you. Exactly. So we're here right now and we're doing business and you and I will be friends and we're going to bring each other business and we'll help each other. That's what we do. That's what Mm -hmm. we want to do for good people. But when I hear someone say, I want to do it on my own. I had coaches in the past who left my club a bit bitter and I cannot tell you because of how they handled themselves, the amount of business they lost Sure. from me not sending them people that could have changed the trajectory of their career. Names in Hollywood right now that are enormous, mm-hmm. that I'm just not taking people on anymore, that needed a trainer on this area or that area. Names I can't, you'd be like, oh my God, I would, you know, most... It, 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 I cringe having to turn these people away. They're so mm-hmm. well, well, well known, but because they didn't pad those relationships and because they didn't um, handle it the right way during their exit, you know, they, they're the ones that lost out and they, and they shouldn't have, mm-hmm. they were good coaches. They, they just unfortunately developed bad attitudes. Well, the interesting, the, the reason I brought up the me writing and train magazine is because I was looking at it transactionally and you just gave a masterclass on looking at it as mm-hmm. what can I give to somebody? Mm-hmm. And that was me being really young in my career and you explaining something that I wish I heard when I was still writing. For Cause magazine. train magazine could have turned down into, Oh my God, the, 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 the PT with the physique then maybe that's a cover. Then maybe that's marketing material. Maybe mm-hmm. that's something you could have, you would have gotten in really comfortable with the editor and then you, and then you ask, or, or maybe there's a story behind that, behind one of the athletes. Mm-hmm. It could have been, but guess what? I have, I'm not even saying it's a screw up. That was part of your path. Cause I there were plenty of things. Yeah. There were plenty of times I look back on now and I'm like, Oh man, like I could have handled that better. I could have handled that differently or what it, that was part of the path. Sure. It's just, you move on from it. You don't look back on it. You don't regret. Well, you, you were talking about not being self-made because people have helped you along the way. And I want to make sure that the audience hears that in a way that's productive for them mm-hmm. because I believe there's an opportunity for them to say, Oh, well, okay. I don't have those people around me. And what I want them to, to hear I, is I built that. Right. 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 You built that. Like you, you create, you create the reason for the audience that you surround to surround you. And then you give them enough that they trust you and they want to see you succeed. And so they want to help you. I want everyone to think about something. If a a human being turns around and just starts giving Mm -hmm. and taking care of you, and then out of nowhere, going overboard and just hooking you up and hooking you up and hooking you up, you're going to start thinking about that person a lot, aren't you? Yeah. Oh my God. Like this guy just sent me a full supplement package, an aura ring. Oh my God. He just invited me out to do this. Oh my God. He just bought and just giving, giving, giving. Then out of a certain period of time, most people are going to turn around and say, how can I help? Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it, if you're hanging out with good people, if you're in business with good people, it's the right thing to do. It's human nature. Hopefully you are aligning yourself with people that instantaneously want to get back. Cause that's, I think the world we should, those are the people we need to align ourselves with. My business world continues to expand. My social world continues to decrease mm-hmm. by choice. Cause I have, I have kids, I have a wife. I'm not going out. I'm not partying. The people I'm in business with are really the ones that I'm, that I have some good relationships with now. And it's, it's like, you're almost multitasking. Well, the business, the business oftentimes indicates the priorities and the yep. values. Yep. And so the people who you're going to hang out with are not going to be the ones who are like, Hey Don, we're all in health and fitness and making people better. Let's go get fucked up. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, no thanks. yeah, it's like th- those, God, those days change, right? It's, oh, yeah. it's, it's priorities. Now it's, my Saturday night is watching a movie with my wife. We don't even go. We didn't go to dinner on 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 Valentine's Day. We 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 sat home. 
we had dinner together at the house mm-hmm. and we watched our daughter on her first date right. on Life 360. <laughs> on the big screen TV. Yeah, we were literally like, oh my God, our daughter's <laughs> on her first date and we were really emotional about it. But we got a good night's sleep and we woke up and it was like, we were, we were happy. We do enough stuff. Like we vacation, when we want to have dinner, we have dinner. We don't have to wait for one day to, to, you know, to go do that. That's just how we live. But mm-hmm. it was more happy, made us more happy for us to be home laughing in front of a movie, having a good healthy dinner, getting to bed hearing from our daughter when she got home at night. Mm-hmm. How did it go? And my son sat around, the four of us sat around. It was cute. It was, it's a moment we'll never forget. So what's more important to me, that moment or uh, if we went to dinner together? And Did you ask her if he kissed her? I did. She said they hugged. Okay. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> Perfect. I'm like, did he, did he try to kiss you? She's like, oh my God, it was so awkward. She's like, it was just, but um, they, uh, I don't know. There's, yeah. there's, it was very cute. Um, you mentioned something earlier that I want to come back to that I, I don't think is a big deal for the podcast, but I felt like I needed to say it. You mentioned making jokes about 80s movies. And I yeah. listened to your podcast uh, with Max Lugavere. And Love you guys Max. were talking about- Brilliant, who, brilliant guy. Yeah. Who, who's the best Bond? That's not close. It's not Are you like, going to argue with me no, right now? Or, okay. No. Thank My name you. is Sean. I, I, come on. <laughs> so I just wanted to make sure. Legend. Yes. Legend. I actually been watching. I've been going back watching Bonds. Ironically, my second favorite Bond, because mm-hmm. we know it's my first and your first is Sean right. Connery. Um, I really liked Roger Moore. Interesting. And the reason why most people wouldn't expect to hear that was that was the first Bond I ever watched. Mm. So I was born in 77. So I was watching Bonds in the 80s. You know, View to a Kill, I think was 85. You know, there was a bunch of others that he was in in 81 or 83. And I, he was in that span. I think he did four or five movies. So Octopussy, all these like weird movies, like funny names. But um, I remember watching those movies. So that was, and then my dad turned to me and was like, that's not Sean Connery. Uh, right. that, that's not, that's that's not James Bond. And I'm like, who is? He's like Sean Connery. And I remember going in and I remember watching like Dr. No and all those others from like the first on. And I was like, oh my God. Like there was something so... What's the word I'm, I'm looking for here with Sean Connery? He was like masculine, but sexy at the same time. He was tough, mm-hmm. but just cool. He was also, he did some funny stuff. He was like suave. He, had, he wore the different hats. And that's not to knock Pierce Brosnan. I think Pierce Brosnan is a bit of a different character than what Connery and Roger Moore was playing. He's a little harder and- um, More highfalutin. Great word, by the way. Wow. Thank you. Well done. I'm, I still have some of my SAT stuff. This is in my fantastic. Head. <laughs> Would have been way over my head years ago. <laughs> uh, I, just, I, wanted to, I wanted to mention that because I heard you guys talking about it, and I wanted to just, um, no disrespect to Max, I wanted to rubber stamp Sean Connery is the original and, and the only. Wait, who did, I, I forgot. What, he, who did Max, Max? He liked Daniel Craig. He did like that. And pr- probably the only thing I'll ever disagree with Max on is that. I mean, his, mm-hmm. his fitness stuff, his health, nutrition, brilliant. But Max. It's, it's Sean Connery. Connery. Yeah. So, so let's get back to the important stuff. You have said on every podcast I've ever heard you interviewed on, mm. and I've listened to many because I wanted to make sure that I was um, an appropriate steward of your yeah. time. Today. Thank you. I appreciate you're it. welcome. That when someone has something going on that you're not sure what it is, you're making referrals to PT, to medical, to mm. dietitian, whatever to. it is. But I think that today, a lot of people feel like they need to be all of those things to somebody. So how do you make referrals to a physical therapist and maintain your credibility with the client? I know I would like you to answer that in a way that the person who doesn't know how to do that would need to hear. Sure. I I, I think it actually adds to your credibility. 
So I know my lane. I know what it is I'm good at now. Do I understand corrective exercise? Do I understand lateralizations, regressions, progressions? Yes. Okay. Um, But when you have a team in front of you and suddenly there's several people working on that individual, a Dr. Gabrielle line, functional medicine doctor, um, you know, a physical therapist like yourself or Charlie Weingroff, the coach like me, suddenly I feel like you bring a lot of strength to your program. And also, um, this is networking. This is how, you know, you want to get noticed. You want to build your business. Dr. Gabrielle and I have had an incredible relationship for a very long time. I'll be the first to tell you, she has done a lot for me mm-hmm. and I've done a lot for her. She connected us, yep. right? So that is part of this. So you start aligning yourself with people in business that have similar values to what it is you believe in. And they're not all about themselves. Mm-hmm. They also want to help bring things to the table and help you grow. I love the trainer PT matchup. I have been doing that at my club for at when I had my club for 15 years, since 2005, I had some PTs in early on and we would pull them onto the floor and we would have, if there were red flags at the time we were doing a functional movement screening and red flags, the PT would come on like, let's, all right, um, Charlie, can you get this person on the table? Can we give him a few minutes? Um, John, so-and-so do me a favor. Just give us, no, no, no. Great, great, great. I'm in the office. I'm learning from Charlie. I'm listening to him talk. He's going, listen, do me a favor, stay away from knee dominant right now. We could do a lot of hinging. We could do squatting to the box, vertical knee tib, certain details. Great. I got a plan. What do you want me to work on in the warm up? He gives me some information. We have info now. It's it's go time. And now you have this team approach that adds value to what it is you're doing. I never once looked at that as, oh my God, I'm going to be put in the inferior position. I need to feel superior. You start establishing that network. And we start feeding each other people out of nowhere. Your world grows pretty fast. Yep. Now, Dr. Gabrielle hears that I'm going out to LA. Oh my God, you got to get on Max Lugavere's podcast. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I don't know, Max. She goes, I'm calling him right now. Boom, right? I'm, I'm going out to San Francisco to the Mind Pump guys. I'm going to go to them mm-hmm. before Luca event. I'm stopping there quick to meet with them, right? Here, they're great guys. But again, not my hookup. Right. I'm not self-made. I did not make that cold call. You start relying on relationships and you don't, you know, you don't feel bad about asking for that favor mm-hmm. because you know, you brought a lot to the table also that's business. Yeah. And when you're in bed, bed with people in business that are, you know, solid and they're able to, you know, do things mutually, then you start valuing those a little bit differently. And I've had plenty of people confide in me and they're like, Oh my God, I'm sending all these people as PT. They haven't referred one person to me. And I was like, okay, well, there's a couple of things we're going to do. One, we want to diversify your PT network and mm-hmm. let's find another PT and see how they respond. But I'd have a conversation like, Hey, Dr. So-and-so question. Do you have any clients that like I could be working with also? Like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, Don, I didn't realize you were looking to take on clients. Suddenly it's like, all right, well, he didn't know. Or, you know, or if it's like, oh, well, you know what? Not really my interest. Well, okay, well, right, this isn't, have, this... A, have, a, have a nice life. Like, right. why do I want to, like, this is mutual. Like this, I'm sending someone to a PT for one reason, one reason only. Primary reason is to get better. Mm-hmm. I want them, I want that PT to be able to release that parking brake from that moving car. Mm-hmm. So when you come back to me, it's go time. And then that is going to be the best referral source. Oh my God, Don Saladino, I went into him. Unbelievable. Within five minutes, he had his PT on the floor with me. They were running me through an assessment. He got me through a training session. I couldn't touch my kneecaps. I was touching the floor by then. My body felt great. My back felt great. I had a great workout. He had me doing different stuff. 
it's like that suddenly becomes goes from becoming a luxury to a necessity. Mm-hmm. Now suddenly people are looking at you and your business, not going, oh, you know what? X amount of bucks an hour, it's a little expensive. Well, you know what? Cut back on your dinners then. What's more important to you? Right. Opening that bottle of red wine that's costing you four or 500 bucks or paying for someone that's going to be able to change your life because that's what I'm going to be able to do. And that's the mindset. I think the thing that there's, there's a few things you said there that are really important that I want to make sure we come back and people hear. One is the physical therapist that you're working with <clears throat> is saying something like, avoid knee flexion for now. That is different. That is language that is, it's, it's so nuanced. But the difference is there are physical therapists, there are orthopedists, there are chiropractors who will say, avoid knee flexion. I don't understand it. You, you follow me though. Yeah, no, but I don't, I don't understand it. I, I have a challenger community right now of about 9,000 people. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many, and I refer to PTs all the time. Mm-hmm. They're, they're asking me questions. You got to go to a PT. Mm-hmm. You just said the word pain. I am not going to start frivolously giving you exercises because I think I'm smarter than I can work. Go to a PT. Like it's, it's the responsible thing. I can't tell you how many PTs will look at someone and say, um, just, um, uh, keep it pain free. Right. Suddenly they're sitting there going, well, I had a woman look at a PT the other day and go, can you look at this, um, these exercises and tell me what I can and can't do? It takes five minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Split squat. Yes. RDL. No. It's like, how hard is that? You know what they said? No. They said no to it. And to me, I think that's irresponsible it is. as a physical therapist. It is like, you, oh, keep it pain-free. Oh, thanks. Well, I don't know if I'm going to be in pain. Like, I'm nervous to go overhead. Am I going to be in pain or do I need to be training there? What is pain, by the way? Right, like the, 100%. <clears throat> exactly. So, is, is it weakness? Is it like, like what, am I, what am I looking at here? And that's very, that's very smart, of is, course. Is it the good pain? Yeah. Is it, it, right, so so um, what you just described is what set my career off. When I was at Equinox going up to the physical therapy suite, because like I said, I was working with the Island of Misfit members. Mm. When I would take them up to the physical therapy suite and say, what do I do with this person? Eh, if it hurts, just avoid it. Okay, well, well, okay, thanks. For, for how long? Right? Well, well, thanks. What if I go in and do a movement once right. and I really hurt it? Oh, so I'm going to try a hang clean right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got, I've got major shoulder issues or major elbow issues. So I'm going to go try a hang clean. And if it hurts that one time, that one time might be it for you. Yep. I think it's irresponsible. I think we need to do a better job. When I say we, I don't mean you and I, of course. I think people collectively, we need to do a better job in this industry. The session does not end when that hour is up. The session doesn't start when that hour begins either. Thank you. You know, um, boom. (laughs) Well, our entire mission, you know, the the, the language of the mission, I, I actually want to evolve it. But for the moment, the language of the mission is humanize the healthcare industry by professionalizing the fitness industry to empower the individual. I love it. The idea being we can evolve fitness to function as healthcare so that we're right up to the edge of what the physical therapist can do. And we can make a responsible recommendation to the physical therapist and get the necessary information back to help the client. Mm -hmm. Now, the other thing about, uh, avoid knee flexion for now indicates that there's a date when we're not going to avoid knee flexion anymore and gives the client hope. And the physical therapist or the car- whoever who would say that is thinking about that. Mm. And that's the other thing that you said that I want to, I want to shine the light on. You don't do it for the sake of this person. I'm going to refer to you and now you're going to refer to me. 
what you were describing was not that. It was not a quid pro quo relationship. It was you're a physical therapist who values your clients exercising. And so when your clients are looking for guidance, professional guidance with their exercising, you're going to think of me because I'm the guy who's doing a professional job and consistently putting myself on your radar by sending you people who need your help. That's it's finding someone who has the values that they're going to make the referral back because they value what you do, not because you made a referral to them. A hundred percent. And guess what? You're, you're, you're not going to bet a thousand on that. You're there's really look at all the relationships in your life that probably just aren't valuable to you anymore. They're just people that come and go in your life. It sounds like a terrible thing to say, but it's the reality of it. Your, your focus has changed. Your, your viewpoint on life changes, where you want to spend your time changes. And, you know, I think in business, a lot of us get afraid, you know, to go and take that first step. It's like when you're dating, like you're going to, okay, there's a reason why you don't just meet someone like, oh, wow, she looks great. Like, let's get married. Like, Mm -hmm. no, you date to experiment, to see how you guys are together. And then guess what? When you pass that phase and you want to take that next phase, you normally move in together. Mm-hmm. Right, these are just typical things that most people. I'm not saying everyone. I know the occasional. I have the occasional friend that met someone in Vegas and they're getting married that mm-hmm. you know that that night. I hope you don't do that. Um, didn't work out for them. <laughs> uh, but you know, it's there's this progression. I met my wife. We did the long distance thing. I, I turned to her. I said, "Listen, do you want to move in?" She moved in. She moved from Vegas. She moved in with me. We lived together for a year. We got engaged for a year. Mm-hmm. We got married. Like we were you know, in love, all this great stuff, but you know, you are doing things in this progression with business. Things are going to work out. They're not going to work out. Mm -hmm. You're going to go and you're going to be a great person or you're going to refer someone to someone and they're not going to care. People just are not going to do the right thing in life. And that is okay, but it doesn't mean you have to put up with it. And that's all I'm saying. It's like, if you recognize that they're not aligned with what it is you're doing, guess what? Stop referring people to them and find someone else. Open your network up. Turn around and start referring to three different physical therapists. Mm-hmm. See who starts, see who you like, see who has the best bedside matter, who's, who's going to you know, be attentive. I've People this day now I'll refer to, they'll follow up with me in a few weeks. By the way, thank you for the referral. And just want you to know, so-and-so is doing great. Mm -hmm. Um, We've eliminated them from back pain. We have them training right now. Everything is awesome. Grateful. Right. Holy shit. Wow. Did you just send me a Lamborghini or was it just, I I mean, that that note right there, that was it. Mm -hmm. Wow. I am so blown away by that person's professionalism, their follow-up process. And how about this? Every once in a while, hey, Don, just checking in. Hope your family's doing well. I was thinking about you the other day. Keep killing it. That's that's another thing. Now that person's on my radar. You know what, man? I've always liked that guy. I've always liked that woman. Like, oh, you know what? Ironically speaking, I had a coach reach out to me to do that recently to check in with me. And I handed him one of the biggest names in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. I said, how's work going? He goes, you know, I'm out from PT school right now. I want to pick up some training clients on the weekend. Uh, I want to pick up some training clients. I was like, is your book completely open? He goes, completely open. And he worked for me for four years. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, do you want to train so-and-so? And he's like, huh? <laughs> I, I can't even mention the name. If I mentioned the name right now, you'd be like, holy shit. He's working with the guy now four or five days a week and his wife. Mm-hmm. Just because, ironically, he followed up with me on that given day. Yeah. Well, that's such an, there's an interesting lesson there. I've str- I struggle with that because I, I've, I have struggled with that in the past. I'm like, what am I supposed to say? Hey, just thought about you, wanted to say hi. Yeah. 
And that's, yes. Yeah. Right, that's it. Yeah, one message a day. Choose one name a day you're going to shoot a, che- a text to. Mm-hmm. I did it today to a buddy of mine. Um, actually, I'm sorry, I did it yesterday. Hey, man, think my first client ever. My first client ever 25 years ago, I'm still really close with. Mm-hmm. Just checking in. Um, hope you're well. Miss you, man. And he just said, hey, man, just got separated, you know, down in the Caribbean right now, chilling out. And I was like, oh, man, and I'm following up with him. Let's talk when you're, when you're back, right? It's, I'm not asking him for everything. I was Take one name a day mm-hmm. that's important to you and just follow up with them. Yep. Tell them what's up. I don't care who it is. Just hey, just thinking of you. What's I, up? I, th- I think it's also important to be ready for the conversation if it comes. 100%. Because oftentimes it's, it can be the, hey, to someone on the street. And then they say, hey, or you ask someone, how are you doing? And they're like, you know, actually, and you're like, oh, if you have the, oh, well, then that was your fault. You shouldn't have asked 100%. that question. Yes. Yeah, um, exactly. But so I love that because what you're describing is just staying top of mind by genuinely caring about something. I, I, I still do it. I, I still like, I could be on the freaking toilet for God's sakes, like mm-hmm. and out of nowhere, like it's just right. boom text. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's just, you know, I think, I think we need more of that. Well, if someone comes through your mind, what's the downside of telling them? I was just, yeah, just thinking about you in my mind. Yeah. Just want to say yeah. hi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's easy. It is. It, that part is easy. It's easy. Um, so I, I'm, I'm curious to your business has evolved a lot mm-hmm. over the years. I mean, you've reinvented yourself several times using the skills you developed in the, in the former version, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was the, it was the, the trainer cutting his teeth, the trainer who owned his gym, golf, celebrities. And now your main focus is helping people remotely through, through a group. Is, is that true? Yeah. So it, it's a couple different things. I, I have about a dozen brands that I'm partners in that I work mm-hmm. with. So that's strategy, social media, you know, connecting the dots, fundraising. Mm-hmm. That's been great. Um, and I've been doing that for a while and that continues to evolve. I have my challenger community, which we're going to be hitting about 9,000 people in that community. And that's fantastic. And that's been great to us. We sell programs globally. We do paid spend behind that. Mm-hmm. We sell that globally. I also, um, I'm partners in an app company and I think we have something, uh, I don't even know the total number. It's at least 2000 members part of that. And what kind of app? Uh, it's, it's a company called playbook. I'm an equity holder in that company. And it's basically just, um, an, an app where you get your programs for the year. Great okay. digital interface. It's just awesome. Very inexpensive. It gives people an option to have something on their on their handheld and um, courses. I'm doing a lot of teaching now. I have an online course that I uh, teach that we sell that my wife and I sell that we put together that we're really what kind of teaching? Uh, pretty much how to develop this whole digital backend. Interesting. Everything from building your site to uh, branding to lead magnets to what are you know, email software is, I mean, everything, it's all little questions. And then you have access to this little mastermind group where if you purchase it, um, then you have access to this group where I go and I answer questions, you know, every couple of weeks. So it's kind of like a business backbone course. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is what you need to work on. Uh, you need to scratch the surface. This is how you do it and take your time with it. And I, I recommend a lot of coaches doing that, right? It's mm-hmm. like, you need to invest. So what are you selling? You don't have to sell anything in the beginning. Like, I think you need to build a website, and I think you need to give away free content. Mm-hmm. Keep a website as that. Like allow people to have a place where they can go because all these brands, all these publications are going to type your name into Google and they want to see what pops up. Mm-hmm. If there's nothing that pops up, in my opinion, they're going to think you're irrelevant. It's just how the world works. Right. So I think you know at least designing a website on that website, collecting email addresses, uh, collecting emails, and making sure that they have some type of a lead magnet, some type of free content, I think is really important. I, I did that through the pandemic. I, I think I've, you might've heard me talk about this, but I, um, March 16th was told that we had a closed drive. Mm-hmm. My 15 year lease was up May 31st. 
Right. Good timing. It's great timing. And um, we knew we weren't charging for anything. We got PPP money. We kept our employees on for a while. And uh, we had them working for us on the back end doing, you know, online training, trying to get creative, trying to put money in their pockets. We did a great job of it. Paid my landlord in full. We end up offering this free program. So my, my wife, crazy story. My wife and I cleared out the living room mm-hmm. and we had no equipment. Mm-hmm. Moved the, the, the rugs. I got like bushy hair, sleeveless shirt. And we shoot um, a full night's worth of content. We shot like 60 exercises, whatever it was. And we built this bodyweight program. So I started getting calls from publications. The publications are like, well, you know, uh, do you have an, uh, an arm workout? Do you have an ab workout? I'm like, I have a full four week program. Mm-hmm. And they're like, but we can't sell right now. It's for free. I'm right. giving it to you. It's full four week bodyweight program. And they were like, seriously? I'm like, absolutely. So I gave it to every publication that called me that month. I probably did 120 live workouts in 30 days. For, for, got, that's how you got so fit. Yeah, that's how I lost a lot of weight. <laughs> Three to five workouts a day, lives, pouring sweat. I think I had COVID the first week. We didn't even know I had it. Mm-hmm. I was just sick, pouring sweat, showering in between. And we um, gave away, we collected 200,000 emails in four weeks. Wow. Wild. Mm-hmm. It was a wild time, but free. Now we shuttle everyone into a challenge. For free. Now people are hearing me online and that's how our challenges took off and really became somewhat of a monster. So. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. We had a similar experience. We didn't get to 200,000, but we gave away a $500 product. Nice. Once, once, once COVID hit, we're like these coaches. Nice. So we gave it away to almost 2000 people. Huh. And that was, you know, people, people hear that and they're like, oh, but it didn't cost you anything. No, 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 it, it did. Right. Yeah. Like that's 2000 people who are not going to buy a product that costs $500. Yeah. That's, that's a million dollars. Right. Uh, plus, Needing to keep staff on to run it on the back yeah. end, oh, hell yeah, all that kind of stuff. But it, it'll it'll pay dividends down the road, obviously. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you have coming up? Oh, well, I'm leaving on a flight in a few hours. I'm going to taking my son to Kentucky. We're going to a University of Kentucky baseball game. Oh, nice. He's a baseball fanatic. So we do these little boys trips here and there. We try and hit up all the parks in the country and that's cool. Do some cool stuff. So he's super pumped. So Favorite good- park so far. Ooh, well, City Field, come on. That's great. Yeah, come on. The best. It's the best. <laughs> Been to some cool parks, though. Um, and we're a big baseball family. So that next week, I will be at the Raise the Bar uh, conference in uh, Dallas, Texas. I'll be speaking there. Um, and I think the following week, we're in March. Are we in March already? We will be. So I'll be in Vermont for my wife's birthday. And then I come back, and then I'm in San Francisco for... Um, mind pump. And then I'll fly right to Seattle to do that event with Luca and Kelsey, mm-hmm. which is, uh, uh, um, training to be a super coach, like mm-hmm. creating a super coach. That's the whole concept. A lot of hands-on. We're only taking 30 spots. I think we're almost sold out on it, which will be great. And then I come back and we, the travel continues. Uh, I'll be in uh, Nashville twice, I'll be in Austria and Switzerland once. And uh, got some more trips in there, but you know, perform better speaking is going to start picking up. I'm hosting uh, DonCon, which is going to be mm-hmm. my third consecutive year. We had 70 people from 15 different countries last year, and I think we're going to have close to 160 people this year in well over 20 countries, nice. which is going to be awesome. So I rented an island off of Puerto Vallarta, and we're bringing everyone in, and it'll be two one week segments, and then from there I'll go off and I'll do an event with Navy SEAL um, Jason Redman. And I'm going to be uh, teaching some classes for his group. And then the summer, I'm going to hopefully after that, I'm going to take off uh, July, I'm going to, uh, end of July and August. I'm going to probably try and not travel at all and just shut down and do my thing and work on the business and go on my boat. <laughs> well, the, the, the other lesson there for people to hear is you haven't changed what worked. You've just changed the version of it. 
Yeah. But you're still where the people are. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you, and you, and you gotta be, listen, it's going to wear off. <laughs> you got to stay current. Right. You got to get yourself out there and guess what? There's commitments. Flights cost money. Hotels mm-hmm. cost money. Like you can't look at it as like, Oh, well you come back. How invigorated do you feel after going and speaking or how invigorated do you it's, feel after going and taking a course or being around people? My, my favorite thing to do yep. is to speak. My number one priority this year is get on more podcasts, get on more stages. Awesome. That's it. I love doing it. All right. Well, if I can do any intros, let me know. You can do all the intros. No problem. I'm happy to. <laughs> <laughs> my pleasure. I'll bring your nail up a couple of times. Uh, how can people find you, Don? Thank you guys. Uh, DonSaladino.com. Okay. Instagram, Don Saladino. I'm on every social platform, but if you guys have any questions, DM me. Um, I will get back to you at a certain point. Awesome. It's been a real privilege to interview you. I, I, I want to, be, before we drop off, I want to just share on air. You're one of the few people who, no matter who I say, who I know has met you or talked to you, they don't have to be asked, is Don a good dude? They're like, oh, you're talking to Don Saldino? Best guy ever. Thank you. They, your, your reputation is sterling. From Thank you. Gabrielle Thank to you. Luca Thank to, you. Um, to Bruno, everybody just speaks highly. Of well, him. I say the same thing about those people. And it's, I say the same thing about you now. It's like you start wanting to surround yourself with these people. Like I'm not, I'm not interested in doing work with someone that doesn't have that same type of reputation. That's mm-hmm. just who we are. I think if we align ourselves with the stars, we're going to be, you know, held to that standard. And I, so I, I thank you for bringing me on. I uh, love what you're doing. love what you guys are doing. And uh, can't wait to get you out to the barn. I'm excited. All right, brother. Thanks, Thanks man. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Active Live podcast. Please remember, give us a hand, rate it, review it wherever you listen to shows. We are on a mission to humanize the healthcare industry by professionalizing the fitness industry to empower the individual to live a life unlimited by the way that their body looks, feels, or performs. If you are inspired by that mission and want to jump on the wagon, find us anywhere. Active Life Professional on Instagram. Active Life RX on Instagram. Come to me personally at Dr. Sean Pastuch. We want to welcome you onto the train. We want you to be a part of the mission. We want to offer you the opportunity to pursue this right alongside us. We're inspired by your effort and we hope to help you in your journey.